He's Christian. He's Jimmer. This is two PTs and, and a, a bag, bag of, of chips. Today we're going to go over stretching. To stretch, not to stretch. When should you stretch? How should you stretch? How hard should you stretch? And we're going to review the Jimmy John's original potato chip. Compliments of Hank. Just like they ought to be. It says it right there on the back. It does say it like that. And they also says crunchy and salty. It's kind of doing our job for us almost. Yeah, we don't even have to test them. Nope. If you like crunchy and salty, go get you some Jimmy chips. Jimmy's chips. chips. Jimmy chips. Jimmy's chips. No, there's no s. Yeah, you're right. Jimmy chips. Jimmy chips. Jimmy chips. Stretching. Stretching. No. Not really. Sometimes. Don't stretch often. Stretching in the traditional sense of static holding, you, sh- you shouldn't really do. No. It, uh, it, it, lots of evidence suggests don't do it before activity because it reduces basically your ability to, to produce force. Afterwards, it has no effect on soreness really at all, statistically speaking. Yes. And, again, we're talking about static stretching here. Yep, static stretching. So that's a... Kind of what you think of when you stretch. You stand and you hold one position for 30 seconds or a minute or, or what have you. Uh, a lot of this has to do with the fact that if you're trying to make a meaningful change in, in the length of you, you know, muscles and or tendons, more likely muscles, you have to hold that position for upwards of 30 minutes. And so uh, most people aren't doing that. No, for obvious reasons. Yeah, because you don't have that kind of time. Who does have that kind of time? So if you really want to make an improvement, and that's why you'll see individuals like goaltenders in sports who can do splits or cheerleaders or dancers, or they spend a lot of time working themselves into those positions over a very long period of time, I mean many years. Yes. And so short term you may get a little relief, but it's, it's, it's not helping you really with anything in particular. Well, yeah, and it depends on what your goal is. What, what are you trying to get out of stretching? Are you trying to prevent injury? Are you trying to lengthen muscles? Are you trying to relax muscles? Stretching has been used over the years to, to influence all of these and is not, not necessarily very effective. There's other ways to more effectively warm up or cool down or lengthen tissue. So the, the stretching in its original sense is really not as effective or useful for that. Yeah. So most stretching that's done before exercise or before a game is really actually only making you less likely to be at your peak ability level. And it also does nothing in terms of injury prevention. So Yeah. If you if you stretch to warm up, stretching is not does not prime your muscles to be agile or quick or strong. If anything, it may relax them a little bit, which will, which will not necessarily be what you want prior to performing an activity. Yeah. Same, on the same token, if you, if you stretch after an activity, it, it may improve blood flow a little bit, but there's other ways that you can improve blood flow, which is basically what the purpose of a cool down is, and stretching is not necessarily the way to do that. So passive muscle stretching, useless? Short cycle passive muscle stretching. Yeah, you know some people get relief from doing doing muscle stretches. Some people, and that there might be some endorphin release. There might be some. So, if you find it helpful to to 
you know, make yourself feel better, make your body feel better, make your body feel loose. Kind of like yoga, right? If you get in certain positions, is that makes you feel good. I, I think there's nothing wrong with doing that. I don't think it's necessarily um, should be labeled as being useless. But if you're focusing on stretching to improve flexibility or mobility, I think you're missing the boat. I don't think that's going to do what it, um, what it set out to do. Good news out here is, so dynamic stretching, uh, typically speaking, that's part of a more thorough warm-up, is going to help increase kind of uh, neural priming of the muscle and thus, thus put you in a better position to perform. So a 2005 study found essentially that 30-second holds of any kind were going to do zero and reduce performance, but a proper dynamic stretching warm-up would increase your dynamic propulsion ability. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, and that's basically dynamic stretching is a dynamic warm-up, right? It's getting your muscles primed to do an activity that you're trying to perform. So as far as using stretching to improve activity is concerned, that, that's the way to go, doing dynamic stretches or make that part of a dynamic warm-up. Uh, those results were, were replicated and uh, kind of furthered in, in a 2008 study. So most of our more recent kind of stretching-based studying really does confirm dynamic stretching and, and basically just warming up prior to activity is going to make you perform better. Yes. So from a performance standpoint, static stretching? No. No, no good. From a recovery standpoint, static stretching? No. Not, not super helpful either. No. So warm-up? cool down. If you want to make a change in your kind of range of motion and your flexibility, you have to really put a big emphasis on that. You have to spend a lot of time at a position that challenges that range over many, many, many months and years, really. Yes, if you're looking at improving flexibility, yoga may definitely be something that is helpful, but it's going to take time and energy and effort, and it's going to be a very gradual process. In making, like Christian pointed out earlier, meaningful changes. So temporary improvement may be gained by doing some dynamic stretches pre or post activity. But if you want long term changes, dynamic stretches are not even going to work. No, I, I mean it's more in terms of performance, right? People were stretching for performance, and that's just a, not effective at all. No, and so. Uh, I mean, stretching has a place, but it has to be done. And you have to understand what you're doing wh when you're doing it, right? You need to do it for a purpose, and you need to make sure that that purpose aligns with how you're doing it, when you're doing it. And that's not an easy question to answer with, should I do before or after activity, or should I do it? When should I do it? Correct. And there's, there's a difference in doing therapeutic stretching versus, you know, regular activity stretching, right? So if you have a frozen shoulder and there's significant changes in the tissue um, flexibility, static stretching can make a difference. Although even then you have to stretch under the right angles and if you're doing capsular stretches, fibrous tissue stretches, you need longer holds, you need um, the right amount of force. So th there, there is benefit to doing static stretches or capsular stretches, but that's more on a therapeutic scale. That's not necessarily performance and improvement. No. Yeah, so from a performance standpoint, stretching, it's just, it's not there. Yeah, there's no evidence to support it on a, on a pre- or post-performance basis. No, so think of all the time you save now. 
Yeah. No need to stretch anymore. We've just Either saved before you like or after activity. Tons of time. You're welcome. Anytime. So, trivia, I think. Yes. Good one. Last week's trivia. When was the first year that the ball was dropped at Times Square, New York? So, we, we, we didn't have an actual answer attempt this week. We also found out that maybe our original answer wasn't right, which was 1908. It's, it looks like it may have been 1907. And then something else said it was just the 19... Hundreds. Yeah. No, because that would be the 18th century. The 1910s, but which was too late. Somewhere around 1907, 8. Yeah. 1907, We would accept either answer. The reason it's a ball is actually kind of interesting as well. Because it bounces. No. It has to do with the old nautical balls. So for before we had cool things like GPS, if you wanted to navigate, you had to know where you were, what time it was, and uh, making sure that your timing units were correct was very important. So the local harbors would uh, lower a ball very slowly and steadily, and when it hit the bottom, it was exactly 12 o'clock or whatever time was deemed that time when the ball would hit. Nautical thus, balls. Thus... All of your clocks were correct and your calculations were appropriate. Who knew? We're going to start off this year with an unbelievably difficult question. Uh, this is good stuff. Very serious question. No joking around. No. At no, all this here. is. So, in, in, in the light of all um, vicious animal attacks that are being recounted every year, you know, like how many people die from shard bites or bear attacks, or um, this is a, a, a very important one. Name the number of people that died last year because of aardvark attacks. Yes. How many people were killed by aardvarks? Not known to be a vicious species. Is it a species? Yeah, sure. Anteater is the species. Aardvark is a member of a species. It doesn't matter. We would like to know how many people died in 2018 through aardvark attacks. By aardvark. <laughs> by aardvark. Death by aardvark. Death by aardvark. At some point in the Middle Ages, I bet that was some kind of torture mechanism or yeah. execution like, style. Like the rat in the bucket on your chest? Yes. Yeah. You can choose. Do you want to be hanged or do you want death by aardvark? Death by aardvark. I'd take my chances with an aardvark. I probably would as well. <laughs> uh, this week's chip, the Jimmy Chips. Compliments of Hank. Thank you very much, Hank. Thanks, Hank. Uh, this is a mini bag. Chip to air ratio, again, standard 40% or so. Therewith. It's roughly in that, that range of motion, I guess. All right, we ready? Fold the chip. I like the folded one. Oh, mmm, I'm cut my lip yet. Don't cut your lip, that's not good. They are crunchy. They're crunchy. Lightly salted. So these are uh, potatoes, peanut oil, salt. It's about as basic as it gets. No, pretty traditional combination. And, um, I don't know, bad. I mean, for salted chips, they're good. No, they're, they're not cardboardy. They're, uh, you know, on the standard potato chip Lay's scale, they're way above a Lay's. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, really good crunch. Flavor is potato chip. Not super fatty, oily. No. I mean, I'm giving it a one thumb. It's yeah, one thumb. It's, it's it's edible. It's very edible. Not special. 
Th- these are the type of chips that are good with a sandwich. Yeah, that's probably you why need they're some sort of crunch on. You don't need a lot of flavor. You, you probably want to get these and go to like a sandwich shop and get a sandwich or something. You know, sandwich, some kind of sandwich. Yeah, yeah, like, like it. That would probably be your best. One thumb for me. Best option there. as well. Well, thank you as always for listening today. Next week we're going to go over adhesive capsulitis, mm. also known as frozen shoulder. We will review the Quilo Jamón Ibercio, which is Spanish ham potato chip, brought to us by Becky and Dustin. Can't go wrong there. Can't go wrong. Love it. Uh, looking for more information about us, Physical Therapy General of the Show, go to the website, reboundclinic.com. If you haven't told some friends yet, tell some friends this week. Please do. Or if there's some people that you don't like, you, you can tell them as well. Yeah, tell they anybody. They don't have to be your friends. Yeah, yeah you don't just have to. Just tell people about Yeah, us. just tell people. That'd be great. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.